Hi, and welcome to Thought Garden. I'm Rachel, and it's a delight to have you listening once more. I am very excited for this episode. It's going to be very special. I have my first guest. Together, we are going to talk nature and leave you with some thoughts to ponder during your future wanderings. So I'm really chuffed to introduce Kyle, and I'm going to have to ask him how his surname is pronounced. Is it Dumka or Dumka? Dumka. Dumka. There, yeah. See, I've got it completely wrong, so I'm glad <laughs> We guess it, thank you. Um, and we'll introduce Carl properly. Um, he is a nature-based transformational coach working with individuals and groups to bring, bring personal growth through connection. He has deeply held beliefs in the healing power of nature and of how we can engage in different conversations with thoughts and ideas whilst immersed in the outdoor world, which, which underpins his practice. Through working with countless metaphors, analogies, things offered by our world, he creates a space for others to get in touch with what holds them back, finds their deepest motivations, and what it is they truly want from life. Carl has volunteered for the last two years with a band of brothers. This is a remarkable organisation which provides rites of passage and mentoring programmes for young men who've been involved in the criminal justice system. Carl currently practices online through walk and talk phone calls and in various wild locations throughout Sussex. That sounds fantastic, Carl. Welcome. It's lovely to have you here. Brilliant. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you so much for inviting me. Um, pleasure to be your first guest. Oh, it's so exciting. It's so exciting. So there's a lot there. So maybe we start with coaching and nature. How did you, how did you get into coaching and then how did nature become part of that work? Yeah, thank you. I think if I'm just going to change the question slightly because really it's it's um, nature is such a part of of who I am. And it's um, a realization that's happened probably over the last five years or so. I grew up in Canada and we were lucky enough to be just down the road from us, you know, 10 minute walk away was a, a, a river, Elbow River. And I realized going back what an informational, inspirational source that it had been to me when growing up. It was one of my teachers. It was where I would go, you know, if I didn't have friends to play with, it was where I would go if I needed some space. It was just a space that really held me. And going back with, with sort of a, a nature connection mindset, I really felt how important it was in my growing up. And so when I started coaching and, and realizing that I wanted to work with other people to help enable them and um, bring out potential and and all the things that you said look at motivations it just completely made sense for me to work in nature it just um it almost wasn't even a question it's yeah. just like I couldn't really imagine sitting in a room with someone which I do sometimes but it that feels like quite a for me quite a a, a different space to being outside it just it feels more natural for me and it feels like something that I'm I'm just so passionate about and, and want to share with other people that it makes sense for me to work in nature as well. And, um, you know, I'm sure we'll get on to all the ways that we work in nature, but um, just as a, as a background, just um, it's, that's how it had to be really. You're singing from my hymn sheet, my friend. <laughs> it's so, so much. Uh, everything you're saying, go, oh yeah, that sounds amazing. And Canada, I've, I've, I've never been, and it's on my absolute wish list to see not so much the cities and things, but the the, the landscape. Um, it must have been really inspiring. So, when you when you're um, 
when you're working with clients, then what do you find is if you had to pick, and I know it's really hard if somebody asked me this question, I'm being rotten to you. But if somebody had asked you to pick the one most impactful metaphor or thing that you you probably go back to or, or use the most um, with your clients, what, what would that be? I think there's two, actually. Um, and that's not a rotten question at all, because I do, I really love metaphors and they just come up time and time again. So I think one that's so useful, more from a personal point of view, is the river or a stream. Um, and there's just so many, so many aspects, you know, considering where the water comes from, where it's going to the the sort of the riverbed and how that sculpts what the river looks like. And, and even the thought that the water traveling down the river although it looks the same, a river looks the same, it's never the same water. It's actually mm. coming from somewhere else. And, and there's so many ways to, to delve into that. And I've found working with clients, I tend to work a lot in woodlands, um, partly because it's a containing space, partly because um, privacy, it's, it's really helpful for, you know, marking out a space. And it, it just tends to be trees. So there's, there's so many metaphors with trees, you know, through the different seasons, um, different types of trees, conifers, deciduous, you know, different types of oak trees, even where mm. they like to grow um, and roots as well. It's just, you know, all the way from literally the root system that we're walking on underneath us through the growth of the tree, how, you know, I could go on forever with metaphors, you know, how a, a tree puts on rings of growth and how that's a record of what was happening at the time and, and and shows in the growth up above us as well and and even beyond single trees how trees interact as woodlands as well yeah and it's lovely obviously when you were talking about the root systems and you think about the parallels to the connectedness that people have within their organizations and how messy that can get but how reliant they are on each other without maybe realizing it and i think we look at trees in the same way i don't think we entirely realize how connected they are via you know whatever network whether it's electrical or chemical signals or the sort of fungal support that happens underground um and it's there, there is as a lovely well it's more than a metaphor because it's actually happening isn't it and it's a lovely sort of parallel in in, in terms of human life and forest life mm. yeah and especially as as you said that it brought to mind you know within sort of a woodland system we don't tend to notice that until some of the trees are gone and then the trees that are left tend to be so much more vulnerable because they're not in interaction with with their neighbors so if you get you know especially a conifer plantation where the edge is blown away by the wind those trees inside are now so much more vulnerable because they don't have their root systems entangling with each other yeah and then i suppose you've got that combination when you think about trees and rivers in terms of holding up the banks and mm preventing flooding and then the role that trees play and I know you know you and I have been sort of wondering about bringing climate into this this conversation I think that's there's a segue there to be fair around you know the, the role that nature plays in in our own um world if you like so you know being hospitable for us as humans because I think it's it, you know, it's so important isn't it when you look at the if when you lose trees what happens to the land that's left the slippages and the you know the extra water where does that go when the trees aren't blocking it or, or using it where does the runoff head to mm. so what's your yeah. thoughts I mean it's, it's, it's quite a nice segue I think into thinking about the impact 
have you have you found that your clients notice that more having worked with you in a natural space are you noticing that that sort of um equation happening in their head if if sort of the bigger equation is happening but on a, a smaller level i definitely notice that so it'll be you know things just as an example someone who hasn't really noticed the weather before because if if you're working inside in an office it doesn't aside from a flood or a hurricane you can pretty much go to work and work inside that's not a problem but someone who's who's really starting to notice the weather and notice the weather patterns and and sort of question it like you know if we're outside and it's raining extremely hard it's like is it is it always raining this hard and and from anecdotes it's raining a lot harder than it used to and all of these you know signs and connections that people aren't necessarily paying attention to i find through working in nature and and just exposing ourselves to the natural environment we're bound to pick up on these you know the heat in the summer because we had a few days that were above 30 degrees it's mm. it's yeah. uncomfortably hot and unnatural and if we're outside not in an air conditioned building working together on on whatever it is and it, it's not necessarily nature connection specific that's going to be noticed so I'd, I'd say in in small ways and and whether or not that's necessarily leading to a greater awareness of of climate change I'd, I'd have to ask people specifically um but certainly in in noticing what i would call the signs definitely yeah it's interesting because i sometimes i think when i started i felt it was a very ulterior motive almost manipulative that i wanted people to appreciate nature more and therefore would be inclined to protect it and it's taken me a while to go there's nothing ulterior about that that's my purpose that's what I'm trying to do of course it is you know behind everything that's what I want to make happen for the world or for us in the world so it's interesting when and I think that there is now this emerging um thought process among coaches that, that do work outside and are appreciative of the natural world in that way to make that link to actually is this creating a shift in attitudes in my client base even though i'm not physically planting the idea there i'm not telling them mm -hmm. but just by having them in in the environment then the feeling is starting to come through yeah completely interesting to yeah. see where there's and this, someone must study yeah. it <laughs> i'm sure i'm sure and 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 i was going to say this this leads on really nicely so another thing that i find is um what someone i work with calls nature as co-partner so it's it's the idea that <clears throat> you know we we have a coaching relationship so a coach a coachee but there's actually a third not person but a third being or however you want to think of the natural environment within that relationship and that's sort of speaking to us through you know the weather the seasons all of these things that are changing are influencing how we're having our conversations and there are times where particularly with trees you know if if we're as an example discussing an issue and and we're sort of at a difficult point where it doesn't feel like it's moving we can offer to a client okay what what tree sort of speaks to you at the minute or represents this problem and then i've had instances where someone will go and have an interaction with the tree and i'm almost step back and and witnessing at that point because nature is is doing the work and is holding that person i'm still holding the space and it's just, I don't think it can be avoided when you're working in nature. I think that's mm -hmm. just one of the massive benefits that comes along with it. 
Yeah, I, I lovingly call Mrs. N. <laughs> Quite often, you'll hear me refer to Mrs. N. I mean, sometimes jokingly, if, if the weather's awful, if it's raining sideways. So she's being a bit of a demon today, so let's not go outside, eh, because it's not safe. Um, certainly wouldn't go into woodland, because you know what trees happen, when, when, what happens with trees when it's horribly windy. Um, but I think you're, you're right, there is that, that entity, isn't there? Whatever form it's taking, whether it's the trees, whether it's a random squirrel that you happen upon, um, that you can, if you're trying to kind of nut through a sticky issue that doesn't seem to be making any sense... I've been known to ask clients to explain it to a squirrel who knows nothing of our human rules mm. in the same way as you would explain to a child or, you know, and sometimes when the, while they're going through that, you're right, you're stepping back and they always coach themselves with that entity in mind to go, do you know what? That sounds ridiculous. Or do you know what? Oh, that's a really good idea mm. because it's that thinking process of, of the explanation that, that gets them there. And you're right. Nature's the co-partner that does that. As a business partner, great. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't not ask for very little. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We should yeah. give back more. <laughs> well, exactly, and and that's so interesting that you've you've said that as well because another sort of point that I think is so important is like we're in exchange with with nature all the time, and it's not just a taking relationship. You know, our our presence influences the birds around or or the animals around or the deer around or all sorts of things and and as we've talked about before in different conversations trees know that humans are around they send chemicals to each other to say that there are whoever around so i think keeping in mind that that exchange is happening all the time even if we don't necessarily pick up on it yeah is a really valuable thought it isn't it amazes me these these chemicals they give out and it's i think somebody says it's when they're under stress or something but the fighting signs that they i, I don't know how they're pronounced to be fair I've, I've tried to work it out online but fighting signs is what i'm going with but that randomly are beneficial to our immune human immune systems mm. why would trees do that that's why you know anything is that by design is that by accident is it a happy accident mm. Or is it a case of, do you know what, guys, stop overthinking this, just take it as what it is, spend more time with the trees, protect more forest areas, let's get more native woodlands protected and, and spend more time there. Yeah, just exactly. Being yeah. with them, learning from them. And uh, yeah, it's just a soapbox for me, so I'll stop now. Mm. <laughs> um, one thing I do want to talk about, I'm really conscious of time because I think we could talk this all day, um, is Band of Brothers. It sounds so profound and when you talk about transformational i can imagine that is yeah profound's the right word if, if in my head that seems to be the the potential for it is what what's the how does that work for, for what you can tell us yeah of course yeah so it's um a band of brothers is a it's a charity that was started in in brighton in sussex and now it's pretty much all over the country i think there's um 10 or 12 different groups and the aim is to mentor young men 18 to 25 who have been involved in the criminal justice system for some reason so that could be you know potentially in prison um arrested or in danger of getting involved with the criminal yeah. justice system so it's it's really um sort of the forgotten young men who often for lots of reasons slip through the net so it could be all sorts of reasons alcohol drugs parents um having no parents all sorts of reasons so the organization aims to take these men through a rites of passage um, weekend which is very much nature-based and outside and then after that um, 
there's a 12 week mentoring program. So we, we train mentors, we train as mentors. So the older men and they're paired up with one younger man and they provide an hour a week of um, mentor training and that's on offer for 12 weeks. And then at that point, the young men are welcomed into the community because it's an ongoing community. We all meet once a week or, or mm. the, the possibilities there to meet once a week with the aim of, you know, those young men helping other young men as well, which, which is ultimately what happens. And, and now that it's been running for 10 years, it's, it's proven. And, and that is what happens. It's, it's very much community building. Yeah. And the, the sort of byproduct is that the older men who train as mentors are also getting, you know, a community and development work and training mm. and, and chances to interact with other generations as well, which is, which is so rare at the minute. I think we're so segregated all the way from school to pretty much hang out with people of your own age and I know for me if, a few years ago if I'd seen a group of young men on a street corner I'd walk the other way to to avoid them because I'd found it quite threatening and I had no no way of interacting so for me that's that's a massive change and and the transformations that we see happening are just yeah incredible really incredible and I'm guessing the, these mentoring skills and I think the skills they pick up anyway through this I hate the term journey because it's been overused so much but through it, I mean, it is a passage like you say it is a you, know, you start with the rites of passage but you, the passage carries on doesn't it there's a, there's a movement and a growth through those sessions and through that time that there's skills there that will be helpful in so many different ways in so many different so within their families within the workplace when they're looking to um, handle conflict better at work, because let's face it, they happen, um, beyond what may have been their original path, had it, been, had it not been interrupted by, by nature and by, by influential um, intent from, yeah, these mentors. Yeah, very much. And it, it's so interesting that you said about nature as well, because I'm picturing some of the the rites of passage weekend, and there is very much a, a nature connection element involved with it. Mm. And some of the young men have, you know, from lots of different places, haven't really spent any time in nature and, and initially can find it quite scary. And I think that's important to remember as well is, you know, not everyone is as comfortable in nature as, as I am. And, and in working with clients, I find that as well is, is yeah. reminding myself that, you know, not everyone's comfortable walking around at night without a torch mm. in the woodlands. <laughs> not normal, it's a bit but, spooky, isn't it? They've watched yeah. too many films. <laughs> They've watched too many movies where people get killed in the woods. They're like, don't want to go out there. <laughs> yeah, but you're right, actually. When I think about some clients I've walked with, They've been quite, not nervous, but apprehensive and have asked a lot of questions about what should I wear? What should I bring? Do I need to bring a backpack? Almost that kind of wanting to be so well prepared because they don't really know what to expect. Now, I'm not going anywhere, not anywhere at night. We're not, you know, yomping up the Brecon Beacons. We're not going across Dartmoor without a map. We're, we are walking in the wider estates generally owned by the likes of the National Trust or English Heritage. So these are well-trodden footpaths. These yeah. are well-marked footpaths or well-known. Um, and I do carry a map, I do carry a compass because it is quite easy to get turned around in pine forests, as you can imagine. Every, every path you go down looks pretty similar to the one you just walked. But it's, I think you say that apprehension and that almost alien environment because it's not yeah. they're used to. And sometimes it's somewhere that is it might not be a local walk for them. So I don't work in London parks. I know a lot of outdoor coaches do. 
And that, I think there's a familiarity there, isn't it? Because it's a place where folks that live there will go and use quite regularly. So it doesn't feel alien. But to drive a little way to come to some, you know, backwards National Trust car park in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> having driven down the tiny little lane that your car barely fits down, hoping you don't meet something coming the other way, <laughs> to then meet this random woman who's standing there going, hi, <laughs> you've probably only met over Zoom, is quite... That's quite a leap of faith, actually. I think it's quite. So I'm, 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 what I'm trying to get at is I am massively impressed that you can get these these young men, these kids, these, you know, late teens. And I'm telling you, what sort of ages are, are, are the guys that get? Uh, it's 18 to 25 is the, young the men, sort of. Yeah. 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 They feel, you know, they're, they're potentially from very urban areas, like you say, have maybe never been to a forest mm. before. Mm hmm possibly feeling marginalized threatened all the stuff that goes on beneath the surface that they're no doubt trying desperately to hide because it's not the done thing is it to show your fears and your emotions yeah, yeah. And i'm trying to put myself in the and i don't think i can because a i'm not a young man and b i haven't had that sort of upbringing so to be suddenly thrown into such an alien environment mm. with i'm guessing other young men that you don't know yeah generally i mean there's you know, sometimes they do know a few of the other young men, but yeah, oftentimes they don't know each other at all. Not certainly not before the weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, not at all. And I think it just it really speaks to our our nature disconnection as well as as a society, and just just as a culture as well. Just how, as you were saying, someone driving out to a car park in the countryside can feel quite yeah apprehensive about doing because we are so disconnected, and yet we come from you know farming people and and before that hunter-gatherer people so we've still got the, <laughs> the instincts to be it's outside in our dna right yeah, exactly <laughs> yeah. yeah very much <clears throat> no no and yeah i think you know even i think actually even even i don't know whether you've ever felt this when you've gone somewhere very new um i remember driving with my husband we were in northern italy verona i think somewhere near verona we weren't in in the city outside and we drove to a campsite which was up in the woods and it looked a lot like Stourhead, frankly, which is near me. It looked a lot like that, pine forests and everything. But we're driving up and up and up. These roads are getting narrower and narrower and narrower, getting higher and higher. Um, I'm like, wow, it's getting a bit dark and we didn't know this campsite was here. Are we going to find it? There's a little bit of nervousness creeping in because we don't speak good Italian. And my husband just looked at me and went, no, 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 no. Don't do that. Don't do that. This is Italy. That's not That's not a thing here. Because <laughs> these, these films that get in your head, mm these images so I'm thinking actually if I'm a young man that's probably been watching some pretty freaky horror stuff because let's face it they're the cool things to watch when you're a teenager and you grow up with all your mates egging you on to watch it even if you find it terrifying mm. and forests are so demonized in those in that culture isn't it to suddenly be thrust into a woodland or a, even if it's just you know two minutes off the main road mm. yeah and I think that just really speaks to our sort of cultural nature disconnection yeah. as well the stories it's like, your head will be telling you yeah yeah exactly yeah these are you know woods are, are bad places and dangerous places and yet you know in the uk there are no dangerous wild animals unless you, <laughs> there's probably a few escaped big cats somewhere. some angry pigs in the forest of dean yeah. <laughs> yeah i wouldn't want to get on the wrong side of a ball but other than that no. <laughs> but in general they're 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 surprisingly safe places yeah and yet you know it it makes sense why someone in some ways would need a coach 
to help them access that too. I mean, it's it's a bridge, as you were saying in, in Italy, yeah. if you had someone who was speaking Italian, that would probably have helped at that point. Absolutely. So a coach can yeah. be a, a yeah. bridge to that nature connection in some way and all the benefits that come from that. That's it. And help you sit with that fear as well, doesn't it? Sit with that exactly. worry. Exactly, yeah. Um, hold it lightly, not not ignore it because it's, it's coming from somewhere. Yeah, definitely, yeah. And as I sort of like alluded to there is it's very much a cultural influence as well and, and understand it's maybe not not your fear that you're holding maybe it's more of a, a bigger cultural fear too yeah gosh there's so much to i am we, we are we're at 35 minutes this is quite a long podcast for me oh, wow. this is about three times longer than my average there we go. um <laughs> we are gonna have to start to wind it up which i'm i'm gutted about because i think this is really just such a rich scene and I wonder, there's there's lots of thinking points there, I think. And if you had to choose one thinking point that you would bundle up and gift to one of the listeners um, the next time they're having a, a wonder, whether it's in the woods or whether it's anywhere else, um, to think about and to, to kind of um, not grapple with, but really explore on a walk. Because I, I like to sort of explore thoughts when I walk. And I, I hope that kind of helps others. What would that be? What would you like to take away and think about from this mm, yes not so much it's partly a thinking thing but it's also an action mm. um, and what I would would offer is you know as I talked about before we're in exchange with with the other beings of nature all the time whether we accept that as a as a you know mental idea or not we're literally breathing the air that trees produce so we're taking in the molecules of trees and I think that the sort of starting point or a simple thing to do is learn to identify even just one tree especially when it doesn't have its leaves on just take that effort to look at a tree and identify the buds and then go and research it and find out a little bit about it because at that point you're beginning to have a relationship with something other than human you know a tree and at that point i i really strongly feel once we have a relationship with something we're going to spend so much more effort to care for it and also to protect it so mm. if you have a relationship with whatever it is an oak tree or a, an ash tree you're going to start to notice them elsewhere as well because this is what I did so I, I learned um, British trees especially without leaves because it's it's quite difficult and you actually yeah. have to look and there's an element of of attention and paying attention and slowing down and just that I think is is enough to begin a very strong foundation of of nature relationship yeah that sounds that sounds wonderful I think when also when if you do the reg if you do a regular walk and this is one of your walks that you notice a particular tree on and you do like you say manage to to find out what it is look at the, the look at it more closely look at the bark and the shape and the height and the how it whether it branches upwards or outwards whether it spreads whether it's tall and thin noticing all of that stuff while it's effectively naked because it's winter now mm -hmm. then watching it change through the seasons can be such a rewarding thing yeah yeah that would be wonderful that would yeah. be one thank you for that i think that's a really lovely one for for folk to take away from this and, and do that's a, a thing we can do and that's a great thing to get kids involved with right yeah definitely pick one of each course. what are you drawn to each have a tree yeah. the whole family can have one that they yeah research yeah and Wonderful. then they become champions for those trees as well yeah let's do that Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> that's absolutely brilliant i'm really excited i go pick a new tree um so just as we close up um 
if folk want to find out more about you and what you do, where do they go? How do they find you? Yeah, the best place at the moment. So my website is in development um, and LinkedIn is the best place. Or um, I can give you an email address as well, which we can put on the on the show notes. But yeah, LinkedIn right, yeah, and, we'll and Kyle Doomka, quite a distinctive name. I haven't met any other Kyle Doomkas and I've searched. So I might be the only one in the world. If yeah, anyone knows one. I've ever met. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if anyone knows one, let me know because I've never met another Kyle Dumka. So there's a challenge as well. <laughs> D-U-M-K-A, right? D-U-M-K-A. That's it. Yeah. Brilliant. That's lovely. Well, thank you so much for this, Kyle. It's been absolutely brilliant. And I think there's so much here. This is fodders for podcasts and blogs for many many years to come i suspect because it's there's there's such a seam of things to explore there and so many more things that we can do i think to help the world out there get there get their heads around our relationship with nature and, and that that codependency that we have whether we like it or not it's there and we can make the most of it it's so good for us and we could be so good for it absolutely yeah thank you very I agree much. completely Thank you so much, Rachel. Thank you for inviting me. It's been brilliant. Yes, thank you. So um, if you like this podcast, then please do hit the subscribe button. Um, If you want to know more about future podcasts um, and any other things to do with coaching in nature and other stuff, Carl's details, I will get on the uh, my friends page of my website. So Carl, we need to make sure we do that. Um, and that can be found at www.coachinnature.co.uk. So there'll be some links there. There's some photographers and other coaches. And, oh, I think there's all sorts of people that are on that <laughs> on that piece. Really nice uh, links and contacts that are all nature affiliates and fans and super fans. <laughs> so thank you very much. This has been fantastic. I've been Rachel Woods. This has been Carl Dunker. And have a lovely, lovely day. Enjoy your ponders. And I'm going to stop recording. My mouse has stopped working. There we go.